1: Bring along the melt-in-your-mouth magic of a Keebler Sandies
0: to add a sprinkle of joy to your workday. This magic is baked into simple shortbread cookies by Ernie and the Keebler Elves. So as life continues to fly by, make the most of your me moment. Take a pause and enjoy a Keebler Sandies.
3: Hello, and welcome back to Movie Mike's Movie Podcast. I am your host, Movie Mike, joined by my wife and co-host, Kelsey. How are you? I'm great. We're gonna do a movie review dump. Of all the things we watched over the break, that's what people say, right? Dumps?
0: I don't know if we're saying that anymore.
3: Photo dumps? Movie review dumps?
0: Mm, Can we just say like a collection of movie reviews? Collect.
3: That doesn't sound as fun. I like movie review dump. (laughs) And then we'll get into a full movie review, talk about the Iron Claw. And in the trailer park, we have Adam Sandler in a role that you're probably not expecting Adam Sandler to be in. Thank you for being here. Thank you for being subscribed. And now let's talk movies
2: in a world where everyone and their mother has a podcast one man stands to infiltrate the ears of listeners like never before in a movie podcast a man with so much movie knowledge he's basically like a walking imdb with glasses from the nashville podcast network this is movie mike's movie podcast
3: all right, so we saw a lot of things over the holiday break. And That's all we did. We're just going to rip and read these reviews. We'll kick it off with the first thing. We, we'll do them all in order that we saw them. First one up is Wonka, which I love the first original Willy Wonka in the Chocolate Factory. It's one of my favorite ones of all time. Hated the Johnny Depp one. So going into this one, I was a little bit hesitant, mainly because of how Willy Wonka was going to be portrayed. And you have Timothy Chalamet here. And Timmy Tim,
0: wasn't that his rap name?
3: And all of my expectations were completely met from the very first opening number. Right when he comes out singing, I'm like, oh man, I'm going to like this movie. I thought I was going to hate it. Why did you think you were going to hate it?
0: I don't always love musicals. There's some that I like, but I was like, "Mm," like the original Willy Wonka is just so hard to top. And I really thought it was going to be cheesy. Damn it if he didn't sell that character.
3: Well, let's be like, it is kind of cheesy at times. Yeah. Like sometimes his his portrayal of Willy Wonka is so extra and so over the top that I feel like if you were like a casual fan didn't really know what the essence of Willy Wonka is, you would think, "Oh, that's kind of weird the way he's playing him." You even said like what would um who is he dating? One of the Jenners?
0: He's dating Kylie Jenner.
3: Like, what would she think about going to see him in that role? I think my
0: exact words were, do we think Kylie Jenner got the ick?
3: Because it's a very extra role and you have to really own it. But it really, for me, it really works.
0: I would get the ick though. You think so? Yeah.
3: But if you're doing something at his level, as good as he does it, you think you would watch that movie and think, oh man.
0: I just would forever picture him singing about a hat full of dreams.
3: But the songs in this movie are so infectious. Like you the did other- make
0: us listen to the soundtrack. Yes, that's what I was car. saying. The
3: first time <laughs> ever that I went to go see a movie and wanted to listen to the soundtrack. I don't do that. Like you were saying, I have said for the longest time that I don't consider myself to be somebody who likes musicals. I really don't, it's not something I seek out. But when I go watch a really good one now, I love them. So I think maybe in the back of my mind, I do enjoy them. I just don't want to say that I love musicals, which I don't know why I would have a problem with liking musicals, but this is the first time that we went to go see a movie and I'm like, I want to listen to some of those songs. The other day we were singing Chocolate, and you the chocolate, like we just start singing these songs in your and it's different from the first one, which was a musical. And some people were like surprised to remember that that one, the Johnny Depp one were musicals. But this one was a lot more straight on because I feel like there are big, important songs in the original one with Gene Wilder. But this one is just straight up almost song after song. Them just busting out, you know, randomly singing kind of like how people expect musicals. So I still feel like it's a little bit different than that first one. But I think the story in this one is just really good, too.
0: And I think that the greatest part was putting Hugh Grant in his place.
3: Oh, yeah. He hated this movie. And
0: making him play a small orange man.
3: Because he notoriously is hard to work with. And in this one, he's like, I really just did it for the money. And it, he perfectly fits the role because the Oompa Loompa is, in this movie, at least the grumpy character. And yeah, that's Hugh Grant. So you get what you kind of expect from Hugh Grant. But the interesting thing about this one is I feel like Willy Wonka in the original, he's a little bit more cynical. He's a little bit weird and does things that you could kind of view from a dark point of view. In this one, it's almost like Willy Wonka before he gets super jaded.
0: Yeah, this is Willy Wonka before he has his chocolate factory.
3: And it's like, yeah, it's him. Like you find out the reason he wanted to start the chocolate factory and that's really heartwarming. And sometimes I feel like in prequels, when you learn about a character, I feel like it's, ah, I don't really care about that. But in this one, I was really invested in it and all the other characters that were introduced, I really enjoyed it.
0: The side characters were great.
3: I think that's what made it even better.
0: I now want a pocket-sized chocolate factory.
3: A pocket-sized chocolate factory?
0: That's what he had.
3: His little his suitcase. His suitcase.
0: Maybe not pocket-sized, but his like, briefcase chocolate yeah. factory. I would like to be able to make chocolate on demand.
3: Oddly, after watching this one, unlike watching the first one, I did not crave sweets after it. After I watched the first one, obviously I was a lot younger, but I like wanted that piece of chocolate. I wanted to find the golden ticket. In this one, it was almost more the whimsical effects of the chocolate that made it cool, aside from the way... The candy itself looked like in that first one when they're first walking through the factory and they're just eating everything, that taking does bites out of things. Like that the just jelly made beans. me want everything. But visually, I thought the movie looked amazing. There was like one really great shot of just like the Willy Wonka silhouette that I was like, oh man, they're really going for that classic vibe here. So overall, I gave it a four out of five. What would you give it? I would agree, I would give it the same. Moving on to the next movie we saw in theaters, this one we both equally wanted to go see, and you're have kind of put me into a position of really enjoying a good rom com. Finally, and the movie is Anyone But You, starring S- Sydney Sweeney. Sydney Sweeney. I was gonna say the artist Sunny Sweeney, Sydney Sweeney, and, and Glenn Powell.
0: I was gonna say fellow Longhorn. You didn't let me get my intro. Oh yeah,
3: you, you introduced them then. And
0: fellow Longhorn Glenn Powell. He did go to the game the other day. I saw.
3: Yeah, if only we would have won that one.
0: We didn't win. I'm sad. But yes, Glenn Powell.
3: So it's about them faking like they're in a relationship to get their family off their- One of them get their family off their back and the other make their ex jealous so they could get back together.
0: Yes, but also the other premises, they did once hook up mm-hmm. and then didn't date after that. So then it's like them being forced. They have like mutual friends. And so they're like in this, at this wedding in Australia- Didn't make me want to go to Australia.
3: The movie I felt, I enjoyed it. It was so good. But I almost thought it was going to be funnier than what it was. And I felt like I gravitated more towards their chemistry than the comedy. So it was more on the romance side of it than the comedy side for me. Because you probably differ than me. But I thought a lot of the funnier parts were in the trailer. And there wasn't anything totally new in the movie that I found as funny that I did watching the trailer for the first time, but the romance was there. They have undeniable chemistry, and what—that's how they have you sell a rom-com chemistry. And we went on opening night.
0: It was full. It was fun. It was a Thursday night before and to, Christmas.
3: And to think now how hard it is to sell a movie like this that you could just put on Netflix that has really become the model. Oh, but they knew. Yeah, they knew.
0: They were like, "We got a moneymaker on our hands because she's hot off the press, off of Euphoria, White Lotus." He did Top Gun. I feel like he's been in a lot of other things recently.
3: He was in Devotion, too. Yes. And that was good. I feel like he is about to be on that level, like like being that A-list star.
0: Glenn Powell's popping off.
3: And the thing about this movie that I knew they were going to do is have any excuse for either of them to take their clothes off and sell that. By The way they sold the trailer, by the way they were selling the poster. It
0: was rated R.
3: You're selling... Oh, I forgot it was rated R. rated
0: R. R for some reasons. And... Nothing gratuitous. No,
3: not at all. But anytime he took off his shirt, I was like, oh my gosh. Like he doesn't even look like a real human. It's quite incredible.
0: I'm not going to say anything. I'm a married woman. <laughs>
3: <laughs> but anyway, I feel like that is also a big part of it. But you can you can just put attractive people on the screen. But if they don't have chemistry, you can't sell the rest of the movie.
0: There's been plenty of rom-coms where people don't have chemistry. And you're just like... Oh, this was like watching oil
3: and water. Because it makes the story and the lightheartedness of a rom com just that much more believable. The R rating in this instance does help, not just because of like, like you said, there's nothing completely explicit, but it's also like to the comedy of it, they do curse, which yes. I think helps the overall comedy. So I would give anyone but you a 3.5 out of 5.
0: Oh, interesting.
3: What do you give it? I'm gonna go four and a half koalas. Oh, really? I loved it. Will this enter into your rom-com classics, like one you just have in rotation?
0: I need to watch it more often. It could get there. To be a classic, I have to be able to watch it over and over and over, and I don't know if it's there yet.
3: And as potential, would you want to see a sequel?
0: No. Leave it at one. Sequels for. Rom-coms are
3: funny. Leave it at one. Next up, we have Migration, which is the only kids movie on this list.
0: And we were the only adults. We were without children.
3: children. And the trailer got us on this one. The trailer was funny, mainly the line.
0: What's Duck LaRange? It's you with LaRange on top.
3: Those Dang, integration. We were watching Shark Tank and they did a migration integration. That was weird. So maybe there was subliminal messaging by the advertising gods that told us we need to go see Migration. We have to talk about the best part was that there was a short before the film. Yeah, so it's from Illumination, which does all the Minions movies. And something that they still do that Disney really, I think maybe Pixar still does them. Disney doesn't really do them anymore. It was always more of a Pixar thing anyway, but they have a short that Plays before the movie. And And during
0: the short, this little kid was so confused and says out loud, but where are the birds? The
3: the kid was so concerned because they're going on this entire short with the minions. And
0: there's no birds. And there's
3: no birds. And the kid is like, where are the birds? (laughs) Funniest part of the entire movie going experience to see migration.
0: And we just quote that now.
3: But I thought, I think Illumination is doing it better than Disney right now. One, like last year, they had Super Mario, which was just a fun this all-out kids movie. This one was a little bit more unlike that Disney realm of there was a lesson here. You know, teaching kids and showing the relationship between parents, going outside of your comfort zone to live life. That is essentially what the message is of migration. I don't think this movie really pushed the envelope in any way as far as the animation. I think it was pretty standard. So aside from that, The interesting thing I found about about this movie is nothing really bad happens in kids' movies anymore. And it made me think of, like, Bambi, where we were all traumatized. Or, like,
0: Land Before Time.
3: Yes, kids' movies that we grew up with, there was always something so sad that, like, just ripped your heart out. They don't really do that anymore.
0: Lion King. Yes. Just thinking of all the sad things. Sad, sad things. And
3: here they're still teaching that lesson
0: no parent dies, but there's one. no
3: nothing sad anymore. Which I don't know if that's a good or a bad thing. I feel like You're like kids are too soft these days. I, I'm not saying that, but I feel like for me, who my parents weren't able to teach me all those lessons, I went to movies to learn about things like how to deal with grief.
0: My dad died when I was little, so
3: yeah, you got you got you got you, you, <laughs> you didn't need a movie. You're like separate <laughs> me from reality. I don't want anything like that. So <laughs> I think for me. I look to movies to teach me lessons like that and to learn about those emotions. And kids' movies of today, uh, there there really aren't that many. Pixar movies still do that on the emotional level. You think about Coco and people Inside
0: who, Out, all about your emotions. Got the
3: new one coming out this year. So it just that's what I was thinking of while watching this movie of like everything is everything is good in this movie. Wrapped up in
0: a bow. There's some conflict, but it's like resolved nicely.
3: But overall, I loved the performance from Aquafina. I did think she was going to be a bigger part of this movie. And sometimes people ask me, like, why I still go watch kids movies. And I think it's because if I ever had a chance to interview some of the people who were a part of this movie, I would want to know their entire work. Why not ask them about migration if you're going to ask them about something else? So in order to make myself the most well-rounded and also that we both thought this was going to be just like a fun time, that is why I will try to watch everything. But for Migration, I would give it three out of five.
0: I would do the same.
3: I bet if I was a kid, especially that kid who really wanted to see The Birds, I'd be like, five out of five.
0: I'm going to give it three out of five. L'Orange.
3: Duck a L'Orange. Next up, we did go see The Iron Claw with all of my family, which I'm going to do a full review of this movie coming up. But you can give me your thoughts and what you thought about it.
0: Loved it. Emotional. So good. Didn't think I'd be into wrestling. But it's, like, not really about wrestling it's about the family and how wrestling affects them thought it was great great performances by zach efron jeremy allen white you
3: talk about a calvin klein ad, huh?
0: you're just really <laughs> beating me today what? on this podcast by asking about
3: i'm the one who brought it win. up i saw it i was like oh my gosh i gotta give me some calvin klein underwear <laughs> But we did go see this with my entire family over the Christmas break. And my mom. on the way. Yeah. She's like, hey, what kind of movie are you watching? It's about wrestling. Oh.
0: It it was (laughs) that that, O that we knew. She would not be awake for the whole thing.
3: She fell asleep pretty instantaneously and then was snoring throughout the movie. She did snore She loudly. was the one. <laughs> she
0: did snore loudly. And
3: then my brother had to wake her up and then. She got startled. I think she forgot where she was and she was in such a deep sleep because she was snoring that she got upset at him waking her up and like spoke out loud and then he was like, hey, you can't, you gotta keep it down.
0: I don't think anyone heard. Yeah,
3: I think it was, fine. It was <laughs> funny. It was funny. It was just funny because we were sitting here watching this emotional movie and then to my left it's
0: oh it was louder uh, than that <laughs> <laughs> there we mom,
3: go. i guess my mom is not enjoying this one but what would you give iron claw
0: 4.75 out of five body slams
3: there we go almost perfect next think of a wrestling move <laughs> next up is one we watched at home on apple tv plus the family plan with, I already forgot we watched with that. With Mark Wahlberg. This was kind of just one that we wanted to throw on. Didn't think a whole lot about it. It's about his character, who is a former elite government assassin. Gets away from doing that. Starts a family and doesn't tell them about it. And then it comes out that the people who are involved with all of that figure out him. where he is living and then coming after him. And he ends up trying to take his family on a vacation To essentially escape and start a whole new life, but throughout this entire thing is not telling them still.
0: It was giving the pacifier with Vin Diesel Mm -hmm. from, like, 2005, I think.
3: Almost, yeah, basically the same lines of, you have this dude who has this elite set of skills, and he is now a family man. But the hardest thing about watching this movie for me was the CGI baby it looks so unbelievable. There's you were
0: very mad about that. There is the a scene
3: baby. where Mark Wahlberg gets into a fight with this other assassin guy in a grocery store and he has the baby like strapped onto him in those little carrying things. A baby carrier. Yeah, a baby carrier. <laughs> and the baby looks so fake. And I was like, this
0: obviously a baby. Doll. It was
3: so hard for me to, for this movie to come back after that scene. I was like, this is so dumb, so terrible. And it looks awful.
0: I guess they don't have like stunt babies like they have stunt people.
3: (laughs) Yeah, I guess so. (laughs) Normally, they just put like a fake, like just baby doll in there. But I guess that probably looked too fake. And they're like, hey, we can CGI it in.
0: Sometimes they get a little too
3: ambitious with the CGI. A little too confident about their abilities. Over the course of the rest of the movie, it did win me back a little bit. I I didn't hate it. Yeah, I thought I was going to really, really hate it and not want to finish it after that. But it's just one of those movies that's... A very casual watch. It almost feels like something that would go straight on to TBS. And it's like, I've come to like Mark Wahlberg as a comedic actor ever since Ted. I feel like he can do it pretty well. This one felt a little bit more like a cash grab to me, though, overall.
0: Oh, for sure it was a cash grab.
3: But it had some charm to it. I feel like if you were looking for just like a new family movie that you wanted to watch, it's just compared to all the other things that Apple has on their service That I go to them looking for like quality things, not just from the plot lines, but just how they look.
0: But they were also putting things out that like you could watch while your kids were at home. Yeah. Over break.
3: And Apple also just goes for A list stars. So getting Mark Wahlberg in a movie like this and
0: Michelle Moynihan, mm -hmm. she's a fairly big
3: name. It had almost like a knockoff, We're the Millers type vibe to it. (laughs) Not as good as that in any regard, but it kind of felt like a bad version of that in a way. For the family plan, I would still give it a one out of five. Really? Yeah. Okay, I'm going to give it a two. Next movie I watched that I did not think you would like whatsoever. It was I did
0: watch the last like 20 minutes of it with you.
3: Of Rebel Moon, the Zack Snyder movie. That,
0: that was that was my snore fest.
3: Yeah. So essentially what this movie is, is a Bug's Life meets Star Wars the thing was that the internet was just hating on this movie altogether before I even sat down to watch it, and that's kind of the way that Zack Snyder movies go. My issue with this movie going into it is I felt like the title was horrible. I despise movies that have a really lazy title. Rebel Moon. I don't know anything about it.
0: Sounds like a energy drink.
3: It just sounds lame like to spend all this money on a movie and it's called Rebel Moon. I also hate the fact that this is part one of two.
0: And the second one comes out in a couple months.
3: Yeah. It just feels like one big movie split in the middle.
0: Well, that's how Zack Snyder does things. That's he makes what he like 10-hour movie. Why not
3: just make one solid movie? And then he's out there saying, oh, but part two is going to be so... Make the first one the best one. <sighs> like, why would you want people to get invested to go watch a second part of a movie when the first one kind of sucks? It makes no That's sense to question. me. And he's like, oh, well, wait for the second one. That's where the real action starts. All right, we'll just put out part two as part one and then later make part one the prequel.
0: That's actually a pretty good idea. That is what
3: you need to do. But what? then people
0: would have been so disappointed. Maybe now they're disappointed by the first one, happy with the second one, because usually you're good with the first one, disappointed in the sequel.
3: Yeah, but and the thing is, this movie's still two hours and like 10 minutes.
0: I'm going to need you to bring your blood pressure. Okay angry over
3: here the, and this movie it just looks it looks weird. terrible it does not look good it looks like it was filmed entirely in front of a green screen so it looks like a pandemic project that somebody
0: it, made like a diorama yeah, i'm so aware in the
3: diorama. i am so aware that i'm just watching people in a warehouse it's mainly due to the backgrounds the backgrounds are so lifeless and feel like nothing that It forces you to look at all the characters. And then he also does like this weird blur effect. I hate this blur effect.
0: That's me on my Zoom calls because why? What did you do one day while I was on a Zoom call?
3: I walked out with no shirt and you were on a meeting.
0: So I I now have to blur the background. So
3: Zack Snyder had been on Zoom during the pandemic and thought, I want a (laughs) movie to look like that.
0: He said the Zoom filter, but on a movie.
3: The thing is, there is some good action in this movie, but it, it just feels like it's doing an impression of something else, which... I think initially this was turned down because it was so much like Star Wars. So it just feels like it's trying to create this big world. Even that the doesn't title exist. is
0: Star Wars esque. Rebel Moon. It sounds Rogue like one.
3: So overall. There were some cool visual moments, but it was really just like a series of events roped into each other and made it feel like, oh, here's a movie, but nothing was really that cohesive. It just kind of went from here to here to here, and then it gets to an ending, and then it makes you think how it goes into part two. There was no journey. There was nothing super engaging about this movie, and it was really just painful for my eyeballs. So overall, I would give it a two out of five. That is what I got for Rebel Moon. We'll move on to one of the movies that has been <sighs> most talked about on TikTok, and I think one of the most highest, just sought out reviews on Rotten Tomatoes and IMDb. The movie is Saltburn.
0: Oh, I thought we were going Aquaman. That's oh, why Oh, not I yet.
3: No, Saltburn. Disregard
0: a, my sigh. I forgot we watched Saltburn in between.
3: We watched at home, and the thing about this one that everybody has been talking about are the bizarre things that happen in this movie.
0: Don't watch this one with your kids around.
3: Yeah, it's definitely not. It's more of a couple movie or even watch on your own time movie. I've
0: seen a lot of people that accidentally thought it was going to be a family friendly and watched oh, it with their parents. Oh god, over that the is holidays. the worst. Did happen to me once when I watched Black Swan with a friend over and my parents that was that was weird.
3: So this is essentially a story about a guy who goes off to college,
0: meets a rich guy,
3: the rich guy feels bad for him. So invites him back to his estate. Called Salburn, And it takes place over the summer of 2007. And then some other unfortunate things happen. But it's mainly just like a really kind of dark, very artsy movie that has some really strong performances, despite the things that are happening. So I feel like you ended up not liking this movie as much as I did. Or did you even like it at all?
0: I liked it. I thought the performances were good. They're, Couple scenes, and it's not because they were gratuitous or Mm -hmm. graphic. I'll be honest, it just made me a little queasy.
3: See, when I hear people talking about this movie of how weird it's going to be, how gross it's going to be, I was expecting a lot more. I wanted it to be weirder. I thought it was going to be not so much on the gross side of it, but I just thought this movie was going to be a little bit more zany and weird. And it really that's wasn't weird enough. There was like three major things that happened. And I would say of those three major things, only one was that I was like, oh wow, that's, I haven't seen that in a movie before.
0: The final, I would say third of the movie was really strong when kind of, all, Oh yeah. The pieces fall into place. The third, that's where I was really like, okay.
3: The third act of this movie was strong. And I think it's really what says this movie just apart from everything else I've seen in the last year
0: I was going to say it's very different. Like Emerald Fennel does an amazing job at creating movies that haven't been done before. She does. She's not repeating things. She's not remaking. She has very original ideas.
3: And also just the look of this movie of using the 4-3 ratio where it's like the Instagram square instead of the full screen. I thought that was a great touch. Yes, the colors of it just looking filmy and warm. I love that aspect of it. I had one issue with it that I kept calling out. The movie takes place
0: Oh yeah in okay, the summer of that-
3: 2007, but all of the a lot of the songs, the major songs were not out yet.
0: Yes, you did Google that during the film.
3: And they were watching Superbad on TV. So they either had to have the DVD or the Blu-ray or the VHS that movie didn't come out on any physical media until December of 2007. How would they be watching Super Bad? Are they super rich and have that subscription service where they can watch new movies at home? They were rich. They were, but it didn't really appear to me that they had that kind of service. So I hate when movies take place during a certain period and they're playing songs that aren't out yet.
0: I mean, yeah, the continuity of it is kind of... It's a little lazy. It's like you could, you, you have a producer. It's a simple. Or somebody?
3: Oh, I always Google that stuff though, because I know I was like, if they're telling me that this is the time period, this takes place in, I'm going to hold them to it. But I feel like they did that probably because it puts you in that state of mind in that time frame. the biggest songs that come out during that time. But I'm going to call that out every single movie that does that. That was the only thing. And that's just because I'm very particular about if you're going to put me in a time place, Keep it within that time place.
0: You also for your job have to fact check a lot of things. Like a lot of people probably wouldn't even realize that.
3: Yeah. I I, I pick it out. But overall, I would give Saltburn a strong four out of five. I'd give it a three. Ooh, give it a three.
0: Three so, out of five runny
3: eggs. Because I didn't feel like it it didn't reinvent anything, but what it did, it did really well. And it also has those moments that our talking points I mean, if yeah, you watch them. I mean, yeah, got the shock value. So I feel like that is why that is a notable movie. Next up-
0: Now is, can I sigh?
3: Yes, Aquaman 2.
0: <sighs>
3: which I've already said and put into my top three worst movies of the year. What are your thoughts on Aquaman 2 as somebody who hasn't really enjoyed the DCEU movies?
0: It was terrible. I have no words. Cheesy dialogue. Mm-hmm. Terrible CGI. Overall- Awful. The only redeeming part was the cute baby and I like Aquaman's dad.
3: They were good together.
0: (laughs) The only redeeming point.
3: I feel like Nicole Kidman and a lot of the other actors did this as a paycheck. I knew from the very beginning when it was Aquaman just retelling the story and giving this intro that this movie was going to have a weird tone to it.
0: The references made a castaway reference at one point yeah but then also referenced like loki and i was like what world are we living in yeah Also, marvel does a great job at think about guardians of the galaxy they go to all these other planets they have the weird looking creatures that they create for some reason they make sense in a marvel world these were the strange looking creatures i've ever seen just the whole aesthetic of the film was terrible amber heard's hair color was terrible awful just When Nicole Kidman talks in her AMC thing about going to the movies to make you feel things (laughs) and movies make you cry. And I was like, yeah, this movie makes me cry because it is so awful.
3: She's like, this is this is why you want us to go back to the theaters to watch this. I've never wanted to boo while watching a movie. I wanted to boo while watching Aquaman. And the best part for me, there was an orca cameo whenever he actually uses his powers to harness all of the animals in the ocean And then he has like all the dolphins and everything. And there's some orcas helping him out. I was like, yes, the orcas.
0: I said this was like the superhero version of Scary Movie. Mm
3: -hmm. Remember Scary Movie?
0: The parodies of like actual scary movies. That's what this felt like to me. It was a parody amalgamation of all the superhero worlds.
3: What felt like they were doing a parody of Iron Man. Because he was almost doing a Tony Stark, Robert Downey Jr. impression throughout the entire thing. Even the last scene where they have the press conference. And I'm not really ruining anything here because I think a part of this was in the trailer. I saw it on TikTok that he essentially says the Iron Man line, but Aquaman. And it's like, so you're living in a world where you're referencing another superhero movie? What would you give Aquaman? I give it a 0.5 out of 5. I'm going
0: to give it a 0.25.
3: 0.25. For the cute baby. We have two more to get through. American fiction. I'll let you run off on this one because I know you loved it.
0: Uh, This was... By far, we saw this on the last day of the year, one of the best films of the year. It was great. It was so good. It was funny. The writing was amazing. The plot, the cast, the wit, everything. It wins.
3: It just wins in my book. So the movie is about a writer who is in a bit of not not only having writer's block, but also his Books just aren't popular anymore. He not has even a,
0: writer's block. He wrote a book. They just don't want to publish
3: it. Yeah. And he hasn't published a book in a very long time. He's a black guy. So he also feels like everything that he writes gets grouped into being, you know, in lumped in with black fiction or black, whatever.
0: African-American studies. And he
3: feels like, like, that's not me just because I'm, these are fantasy books. These are fiction books and I'm getting lumped in over here. So then he has this idea to give the publishers what they want of writing a quote unquote black book because he's like, well, I'm black and this, I'm writing this book. Why don't people like it? So he's like, OK, well, I'll give you exactly what you're asking for. And he goes so over the top and just makes it as a joke.
0: And they to love prove
3: it. a point And they love it. So he has to create this entire alias to back this personality that he made in this fictional book. And it just goes and escalates from there.
0: And it, his family on the side. Sterling K. Brown is
3: fantastic.
0: So great in this movie. Tracy Ellis Ross, the whole casting.
3: And the thing is, this movie is funny from the very beginning because he's a teacher at the start of the movie and he gets in trouble and he's like in this meeting with like principals and all these things at a college. And it's just like one liners and the dynamic is just so good.
0: I didn't want to have to get up to a pee during this movie. I had to go really quick one time and I was so sad to have to go because it was so funny and I was like, I'm going to miss the wit.
3: And you did miss a good part. I know. But the lead is uh, Jeffrey Wright. Who was also in the Batman? he played Commissioner Gordon, and man, he has some range because he I, knew can, I recognized him. For he something. can do a movie. He was also in the Hunger Games. Oh, he yeah. can do all these different types of roles, and then I guess I really didn't know how funny he was and how much comedic timing he had and the chemistry between between him and Sterling K. Brown was amazing because they're brothers in the movie, and them roasting each other was great. so this is an amazing movie that I feel like. It's probably going to win some awards once all these oh, start absolutely. coming out.
0: You give your rating. I have mine prepared.
3: I give it four point five out of five.
0: I get five out of five chefs at an omelet, sh- omelet station on a cruise ship.
3: That's a great reference. Yeah, it's almost perfect for me.
0: It was perfect for
3: me. The last movie we have to talk about is Ferrari, uh,
0: which we didn't was start wh- the year on the strongest note with that one.
3: Yeah, I thought it was going to be a lot better. So what the movie is essentially is the story of the creator of Ferrari. And it's at a time before they are just a powerhouse that everybody knows. So Ferrari back in the day was a racer and then he started Ferrari. And then essentially what Ferrari really was, was like a racing company. They wanted to win races and from them becoming notorious from winning, they would sell cars But at this point in time where the movie takes place, they're not selling cars and they're at a risk of going under. So the movie is him trying to bring back his company, win this big, crazy race, save the company. But that's almost like the B storyline because a lot of it is the family dynamic of him and his wife, him and his mistress.
0: Yeah, it was what I would describe. I described to someone as a slow burn. Mm -hmm. There's no like chapters. There's not really like, there's like one big action.
3: Watching this movie felt like reading a book to me. Yes.
0: There was also, again, you make a movie, you spend a lot of money. There was a part where you can obviously tell it's not a real human driving. Yeah. Like it, they forgot to CGI that out.
3: There was also some weird ADR lines, which whenever they go back and replace lines in post-production that I feel like some of the the lines didn't sync up with their lips.
0: Or the accents. Shailene Woodley's oh, accent, yeah. was in and out.
3: Which is, she's a good actor, but there are moments in this movie where I was like, what exactly, like, is she Italian? Is she American? Yeah. Because it would fade in and out. Yeah,
0: this was, eh, it, I wasn't racing.
3: <laughs> 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 I wouldn't I, race to the theaters to see it. Whenever it got to the actual racing portion of the movie, it was good. Like, that's where the intensity and yeah. the action was.
0: There was one action scene where the entire theater gasped.
3: But overall, it wasn't exactly what I thought it was going to be, but also, like, exactly what I thought it was going to be. So, Ferrari, I would still give a three out of five.
0: That was going to be mine.
3: Yeah, I don't think it's one you need to go watch right now. You have to race to see it. But later down the line, when it's streaming somewhere, I feel like it's still a worthy watch.
0: The only one we didn't get to to go see is The Boys in the Boat because I haven't finished the book. Mm-hmm. I fell behind on my reading on that one.
3: So that one is still to come and then I'll come back and give my full review on The Iron Claw.
2: Savings products insured by NCUA. Investment products are not insured. Not obligations of Navy Federal and may lose value.
1: Whether you're a savvy spender maximizing your savings with cashback rewards, a thrifty rate watcher seeking the lowest interest, or a travel enthusiast looking for extraordinary perks, Kemba Financial Credit Union has a visa to complement your lifestyle and unique needs. Apply today at Kemba.org to unlock a limited time 2% cash back on purchases. And pay 0% interest on balance transfers for an entire year with a new visa from Kemba. You deserve a card that works for you. Restrictions apply.
4: Offer ends June 30th, 2024. Hey, this is Jody Sweeten from the podcast How Rude Tanneritos. As a nostalgic voice from your past, I'm here to remind you that amongst the stressful and chaotic existence we live in 2024, you deserve to get away. It's time for a vacation, no matter when you're hearing this. And let me tell you how you'll get there. The 2024 Hyundai Santa Fe.
3: Let's get into it now, a spoiler-free movie review of The Iron Claw, a movie I've been waiting to talk about. I've been sitting and living in this movie for so long now, and I wanted to dedicate an entire movie review to talking about how much I love this movie, that after seeing it, easily entered into my top 10 movies of 2023, what the movie is about, the Von Erich family who rose to dominating the wrestling industry in the early 1980s. And I was really into wrestling in the late 90s, early 2000s, but I don't really remember a whole lot about their rise to fame and their dominance in wrestling. And the movie takes place in Dallas, Texas, which I grew up just 30 minutes south of. I was quite honestly surprised how unfamiliar I was with their story, but I think that led me to really loving this movie more because I was discovering... All about the Von Erich brothers for the very first time. What the movie focuses on is the sad, sad history of their family and their association with their last name and this family curse. So you have four brothers, Carrie, Kevin, David and Mike, played by Zac Efron, Jeremy Allen White, Harrison Dixon and Stanley Simmons. So what the movie is about is these four brothers and their relationship with their dad. It's not even so much about the wrestling, which does drive the story, but it's not the primary focus. And I think that's what makes this movie so great. I found it really interesting how people were reacting to some of the things in the movie, which I guess you don't really get the tone from the very first opening scene and the first dynamic between the family because whenever their dad is ranking all of the brothers on who is his favorite and who is his least favorite, People in my theater were laughing, and I found that to be the most depressing thing ever. To think about your dad, the person who is supposed to be the one who loves you the most, the one who wants to see you succeed, is straight up ranking you. I found that to be one of the saddest things out of the entire movie. He is trying to live through them. It's really a textbook situation of a parent trying to live through their kids, and them struggling with making him happy and also wanting to do the things that they want to do, when really at the core of it, they just want to be brothers. And I think that is really what I identified with in this film. I have a brother who is my best friend, and we just happened to grow up loving wrestling. Never tried to actually wrestle, but what I really took away from this movie was that power of having a sibling that you love and you grow up with And you have these big dreams of doing things that you want to do together. For me and my brother, it wasn't wrestling. We wanted to do music together. We were in bands together from when I was a teenager to in my early to mid-20s. And that was something we bonded doing and we loved doing. Our parents were never supportive of it, but they were never really not supportive of it. So we don't really have that same dynamic here that's in this movie. But seeing them chasing these goals and doing them all together really made me feel that connection that I also had with my brother. And I also went to go see this movie with my brother, sister, my mom, and my wife, Kelsey. So there was just all these dynamics of family happening that I feel like was the main focus and where this movie really shined. But it all came out through the performances with Zac Efron just really stepping into that lead role, unlike we've seen him. And what I loved about this story is that every single character had their time to shine and once it was queued up for them they nailed it and that is really what leads to the effectiveness of this storytelling there's just so much drama packed into this movie and so many sad things that it left me wanting more in a very weird way I've never seen something so sad and sometimes people tell you all oh, this movie is going to be sad and you watch it and you're like oh yeah that's pretty sad yeah you, know, you, you expect of what a sad movie is It is very rare for me to feel this level of emotion. I told you in my best of 2023, all the times I cried in movies, but this one hit just a little bit different because it was picking at me the entire time. With as tragic as their story is, all of the things were kind of just picking at my inner sadness, but it wasn't until it was all said and done where I realized all those little pickings at my soul picking at the scab that all the blood just came rushing out of my body and allowed myself to be in a sadness that I've never really felt before. And I think it goes back to showing how they all bonded as brothers. There's one scene in particular where the littlest brother who has been kind of an outcast who out of all of them really never wanted to get into wrestling. He just wanted to play music. So he has this gig and his parents don't want him to go perform because they don't see that as a real job. But as brothers, they all go sneak out to this party and watch him perform. And it's the one scene in the entire movie where everything is great. And if there was one thing I wanted to see more of in a film like this was more of those bonding moments. I think that really would have drove this movie to a level five for me if I just had another good win for them. Because as much as you love all these characters, you feel bad for them more than you feel like, oh, we really reached triumph. And I know there had to be more triumphs that they could have shown in this movie. And maybe they were just leaning on that dramatic element of it, which it really worked. But if I just had one more bonding moment, oh, man, it really would have took this movie to an entirely different level for me because at the core... It was really just stripped-down filmmaking. There was nothing flashy. There was no emphasis on the action. The action was actually very subdued in this movie, and showing the wrestling in a really raw form, I think, is what added to the effectiveness of this film. And it also never really focused on the level of fame that the Von Erich family achieved. It showed some of the things, like them signing autographs. But when you look back on history, which I did, and went to see some you know, articles and things they were doing at this time, they achieved quite the level of fame. The movie doesn't focus on it because I think that would kind of take away from the rawness of the storytelling. They also don't focus so much about the actual wrestling business, which I think that would have been an entirely different movie. I think it kind of would have changed some of the dynamics in this story if they would have focused on a lot of how Matches are determined. They kind of touch on the fact that wrestling gets criticized for being quote unquote fake, which I hate that criticism. And you watch a movie like this and see how it affects people being on the road, putting your body on the line, having to perform like this multiple times a week. Yes, maybe the outcomes are determined. There's a script. There's an entire plot line of how they want these matches to go. Sometimes things go wrong. Yes, it is sports entertainment, but at the center of wrestling, it is a very real and raw thing. And you see it in this movie. You see how it affects people, how you have to fight through injury. You have to reach that level of being an elite wrestler, being great behind the mic, but also being great on screen. It is so physically demanding and what a way to earn a living. And again, I don't want to spoil this movie, even though if you just Google the Von Erich family, you realize what happens to every single buddy in this movie. But the very last scene is one of my favorite final scenes in any movie I've seen in years. And I just reached this level that I didn't expect me to reach These emotions I didn't think a movie could make me feel. And it all goes full circle because there is this song featured in this movie called Live That Way Forever. And I've been listening to it now that the actual version from the movie has been released. And I just keep hearing that song in my head every single day I've been listening to it. And that is something I haven't really felt from a movie. Yeah, maybe I went to go see Wonka and I've been singing all of those songs. But in a much different way, we've gone back to where a song can really enhance a movie. And you hear this song and you associate it with the movie. That's something we don't really get a whole lot in filmmaking right now. So I think that was powerful for me to seek out a song after watching a movie is a great thing. So many amazing things I can say about this movie. And I hope it'll definitely be in the best picture category I don't think that Zac Efron, however, is at the level to achieve a best actor win. I think he should definitely get a nomination. But I think it comes down to how he decided to play the character, which I think he nailed. But sometimes when this voting comes around for best actor, you have to have this almost outburst moment to even be considered. You have to be the guy yelling and being over dramatic. Doesn't really have a whole lot of that in this movie. But I thought almost what he did was even harder to do to play this character who they show you how he wasn't the best behind the mic. He's the brother who was great in the ring, He had the physique and he had all that going for him. But when it came to the flashiness of what it's like to be a wrestler, he wasn't the best brother at that. But that is exactly what Zac Efron was showing of how a brother like that can struggle with knowing that some of his other brothers are better at him at different things and just their internal struggle of not only trying to make their dad happy, but in turn being pitted against their brothers to achieve the same goal, which was a whole other interesting plot point in this movie. So I love this movie. Cannot recommend it enough. It's still not streaming. So you still have to go see it in theaters as of now, but as soon as it hits streaming, Definitely check out this movie. And like I said earlier, if it just had that one moment to really bring all the brothers together and one more win, it would have hit that five for me. And also when you look at the fact that they left out an entire brother from the story and then didn't mention a whole lot about the youngest brother who died in a really tragic way. And the director has said that he didn't think that audiences... Could take another hit like that. Could take more sadness in a movie. And I think maybe he was right. And some people have said that too big of a story was fit into one movie. I don't think that's the case. It did leave me wanting more. But I think that would have been more effective than if you took this story and split it into like a miniseries. I think that would have taken away from the power of everything. And yes, they did change some things as far as the timeline of when things happen to make them... So dramatic because in the movie, it's like hit after hit after hit, when in reality, there were some years in between there. So I think if you spread that out a little bit more, it wouldn't really have that same sucker punch to the gut in the emotions that it had. So yes, it does leave you wanting more, and you think, oh, if this movie had a little bit more time to breathe, maybe 10 more minutes is all I would give you. I don't think this is the case where a movie would have been more effective as a miniseries. But for the Iron Claw, I give it 4.5 out of 5 championship belts.
2: This episode is brought to you by Navy Federal Credit Union. At Navy Federal, it's been the mission to help the military community for over 90 years. And not just help them, but do everything to make sure they not only grow, but flourish. That's why Navy Federal Credit Union has all kinds of great savings and investment options, like share certificates with sky-high rates. So don't hesitate. Start growing your finances today with a variety of savings and investment options. Navy Federal Credit Union. Our members are the mission. Savings products insured by NCUA. Investment products are not insured. Not obligations of Navy Federal and may lose value.
1: Whether you are a savvy spender maximizing your savings with cashback rewards, a thrifty rate watcher seeking the lowest interest, or a travel enthusiast looking for extraordinary perks,
4: It's got standard third-row seating and available dual-wireless charging pads for the kids who just want to stare at their phone and not talk to you. You know what I mean. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey.
2: It's time to head down to Movie Mike's Trailer Park. We have the
3: first look at the Sandman as the spaceman, Adam Sandler in a role we really haven't seen him do before. And Adam Sandler is an actor who, of course, started in comedy, and then later he started doing dramatic roles, and everybody was like, oh my gosh, Adam Sandler in a dramatic role? I don't want to see that. But Adam Sandler has never done a bad dramatic role, which is something to say about the Sandman, because... I really think when it comes down to his career, he is an impeccable businessman. He knows his audience so well, and he delivers the movies that his audience wants to see. And you may not always be a fan of them, and sometimes I feel like it has the NCIS effect of, who is watching and loving some of these Adam Sandler movies that are so over-the-top and so ridiculous, and they usually get drugged through the mud by critics, and I think that is a lot of what he has suffered through, and then every now and then he comes out with an uncut gems, and everybody's like, oh my gosh, I didn't know that that was the same guy who did Don't Mess with the Zohan, but here he is now, as a part of his $250 million Netflix deal, doing a movie called Spaceman, and it's about his character who heads into space for a six-month mission, and then realizes that his marriage is failing He receives unexpected help from a timeless creature played by Paul of Dano, who is one of my favorite actors. And his character has been hiding on Adam Sandler's ship. This movie is coming out on Netflix on March 1st. And this isn't even a full on trailer. It is just a little teaser. Before I get into all that, here's just a little bit of the Spaceman trailer.
4: Just like you, I fled my planet. Through
2: galaxies, through black holes. Through time. And then I found you. So, what
3: you hear in that teaser is actually Paul Dano's voice, which the first time I saw it, I thought it was Sandler doing a different type of impression. And then I read more about the plot and the characters and the actors in this movie, and I realized that's Paul Dano. And I guess at some point he is hiding on his ship and has been observing him. So in this movie, we find Adam Sandler six months into this mission where it looks like he goes on it alone to the edge of the solar system. He's in this astronaut suit and then he realizes that his wife might not be waiting for him back at home whenever he returns back to Earth. So he is trying to fix things with his wife who is played by Carrie Mulligan and then he finds this creature voiced by Paul Dano who has been hiding deep inside of Adam Sandler's ship. So this mysterious creature played by Paul Dano is gonna help out Adam Sandler to make sense of what went wrong before it's too late now. Adam Sandler, like I said, is no stranger to a dramatic role. Even just recently, his Netflix movie Hustle, which is kind of that in-between of what he knows his audience wants from him and also him showing more of his acting ability. I think that role in particular is like that fine line of giving audiences both, which he has done more recently. Even with his movie, You're So Not Invited to My Bar Mitzvah, which starred his real life daughters, I feel like even that was more of an in-between the line of delivering comedy, but also delivering more of the dramatic side and showing more that he is a three-dimensional actor. But this movie, Spaceman, is based on a 2017 book called Spaceman of Bohemia, and it is directed by the same person behind the miniseries Chernobyl, which that is kind of the vibe I got while watching this teaser. And at the same time, it reminded me of one of my most hated movies of last year, 65, which I had the same impression after watching that trailer that I did after watching this one for Spaceman. You got a dude on a mysterious planet in a spacesuit out there all alone. And I thought to myself, oh no, is it gonna happen again? The reason I think this movie will be different is because it doesn't look like it's trying to be an action movie. It actually looks like it's gonna be a serious space movie. So I'm not saying it's one of my most anticipated movies of the year, which I will do that episode next week. But as far as Netflix movies go, it feels to me like they're actually taking a little bit of a risk here when it seems like they're just putting everybody in big action movies that, to make it feel like you're going to the movies at home. This is more of the realm of movie that I want. And I love that they're allowing him to do every type of genre the family comedy the animated movies the coming-to-age movies and if he can put out this movie and be successful which really on a Netflix scale means has the most minutes of people watching it posting about it on social media I can't wait to see what he could do next so again this movie is coming out on Netflix on March 1st and it is called Spaceman
2: And that was this week's edition of Movie Minds
3: Trailer Park. And that is going to do it for another episode here of the podcast. But before I go, I got to give my listeners shout out of the week. And this week, I'm shouting out Rebecca Martinez, who posted last week's episode in her Instagram story. tagged me in it. Oh, that's my favorite thing to see. Me getting tagged in your Instagram story. Oh, and you put the link in there so other people could just click through and listen to the episode. Thank you to everybody who shared last week's episode. So most specifically, Rebecca, who is the listener shout out of the week. But that was one of my most shared episodes in a long time. So that really meant a lot to me. And that really helps out the whole algorithm here. I even made the top 10 movie podcasts of the week on Apple because of you guys sharing it. So shout out to the Monday Morning Movie Crew and shout out to you, Rebecca Martinez, for sharing this in your Insta story. Thank you for listening to another episode of the podcast. And until next time... Go out and watch good movies, and I will talk to you later. This is Malcolm Gladwell from Revisionist History. eBay Motors is here for the ride. With some elbow grease, fresh installs, and a whole lot of love, you transformed 100,000 miles and a body full of rust into a drive that's all your own. Brake kits, LED headlights, whatever you need, eBay Motors has it. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit,